Good evening, everybody. It's good to be with you again in Portadown, as always. And um, uh, I have a message from the Lord tonight. And I don't know whether you've been following the social media announcements, but um, I'm wanting to bring a message that I feel kind of has been fermenting for two years almost in the time of pandemic that we've been in in my heart. But I didn't have any intention on preaching on this until just uh, Friday afternoon. Um, and so here it is anyway. I want you to turn with me to Hebrews chapter 12. And we're going to begin reading at verse 18. Just to get the context, um, Hebrews chapter 12. And I want to speak to you on the great shaking. Hebrews 12, verse 18. For you have not come to the mountain that may be touched and that burned with fire and to the blackness and darkness, the tempest. Now, what the author of Hebrews is speaking about here is Mount Sinai and how Moses went up to receive the law of God and how there was a great a lot of manifestations of the presence of God. There was smoke, there were earthquakes, there was thunder, there was fire. It was a fearful sight. And the, the reader, or the writer, I should say, to the Hebrews, he's talking to Jews. The book of Hebrews was written to Jews who believed in Jesus. And um, he's telling them that this was your past. The Sinai and the law was your past, but you've not come to that mountain now. Um, and he goes on, verse 19, and the sound of the trumpet, the shofar, and the voice of words, so that those who heard it begged that the word should not be spoken to them anymore. The children of Israel didn't want to hear from God at Mount Sinai. They were scared of God's voice. And it even says, verse 20, for they could not endure what was commanded. And if so much as a beast touches the mountain, it shall be stoned or shot with an arrow. Verse 21, and so terrifying was the sight that Moses said, I am exceedingly afraid and trembling. Now, I don't know how familiar you are with the story of the life of Moses, but Moses had a lot of experiences with God. Moses encountered God face to face. He encountered him at the burning bush. All sorts of wonderful experiences that we would be jealous of. But even Moses was scared here at Mount Sinai. This was a terrifying moment. But the author is saying, that's not the mountain you've come to. Okay, verse 22. But you have come to Mount Zion and to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, to an innumerable company of angels. This is wonderful. If you're a Christian tonight, you should rejoice in this verse 23. You've come to the general assembly and the church of the firstborn who are registered in heaven. Wonderful to have your name registered in heaven. To God, the judge of all, and to the spirits of just men made perfect. To Jesus, the mediator of the new covenant, and to the blood of sprinkling that speaks better things than that of Abel, the blood of Abel. The blood of Jesus speaks for us forgiveness. Not wonderful. I hope I'm not alone here tonight. I can't see because of these lights, but I certainly can't hear you. The blood of Jesus speaks better things than the shed blood of Abel that cried out for judgment, retribution. The blood of Jesus silences judgment and gives us peace. That's what we've come to as Christians. We've not come to Mount Sinai, the Mount of Law. We're not under law, we're under grace. We've come to Jesus, 
the great mediator. Now, because of that, you've got to listen to these verses 25 following. See that you do not refuse him who speaks. Okay, so God spoke at Mount Sinai, the terrifying thing, but God also speaks in the new covenant. See that you do not refuse him who speaks. For if they did not escape who refused him who spoke on earth, that's Sinai, much more shall we not escape if we turn away from him who speaks from heaven. We've got to listen to what God's saying in the new covenant, in other words. Whose voice then shook the earth at Mount Sinai, but now he has promised, saying, yet once more I shake not only the earth, but also heaven. Now this yet once more indicates the removal of those things that are being shaken as of things that are made, that the things which cannot be shaken may remain. Therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom which cannot be shaken, let us have grace by which we may serve God acceptably with reverence and godly fear, for our God is a consuming fire. If I was asked the question, what is the most relevant passage of Scripture to what we have gone through over the last two years, it would be Hebrews 12, verse 25 to 29. It is, in fact, a quotation of the author from the, the prophet Haggai, chapter 2, verse 6 and 7, which reads thus, Thus says the Lord of hosts, Once more, it is a little while, I will shake heaven and earth and sea and dry land, and I will shake all the nations, and they shall come to the desire of all nations, and I will fill this temple with glory, says the Lord of hosts. Now, that's a beautiful statement because it depicts the Lord Jesus Christ coming again as the desire of all nations. In other words, Jesus is the one that everybody's looking for, but they don't realize it yet. Jesus is the one that the nations need, but they don't know it. And he's the desire of all nations, and he's going to come. And when he comes, God is going to fill his holy temple with, with glory. And so... Hebrews, the author of Hebrews is taking this quotation from Haggai and he's referring to a time when the Lord Jesus Christ is going to return again. And we're celebrating at the moment Advent leading up to Christmas, but there's going to be a second Advent when Jesus is going to return to this earth again. And the temple is going to be filled with his glory. Now, there are two lessons that we can take from this. First of all, as events draw near to that time, we will witness more shaking in the world. But that being said, the Christian can be confident because we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken. Revelation eleven fifteen says that the kingdoms of this world shall become the kingdoms of our Lord and his Christ, and he shall reign forever and ever. We are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken. So God spoke at Sinai when the law was given, and the earth shook then. But God is still speaking in our world, and he's still shaking and working through his providence around us. And you know, we'd better listen. And I really don't know how many of us are listening. Verse 18 to 24, 
if God shook things at Sinai and those who refused to hear it were judged then. The author is saying, how much more responsible are we in the new covenant when we've come to Mount Zion, when we belong to the heavenly Jerusalem, when we've got all the promises of God, when Jesus is our mediator and the blood of Jesus speaks greater things for us than that of Abel? How much more responsible are we to listen to the voice of God as New Testament believers? In other words, with these greater privileges come greater responsibility. And actually, to the Hebrews that this author was writing to, they were also experiencing a shaking in their present world order of things because these were Jews who'd become believers in Messiah. They'd become Christians. And because of that, they were being persecuted by other Jews and they didn't know what to do. Should they give up Jesus and go back to their Judaism without him? Or should they press on into their faith in Christ? There's a great shaking in their lives, and they were being scattered all over the empire at this time. And how our lives are being shaken today. The whole world is shaken. And I think this is un- undoubtedly the greatest global shaking, indisputably the greatest shaking and upheaval that we have known since World War II. Every aspect of our lives has been shaken. Every continent on the earth has been shaken. And the smart person should be asking the question, what's the news behind the news? What is God saying? Now listen, I am not talking about the ridiculous conspiracy theories. I am talking about the truth of God's Word. And the truth is, God is tearing down the facade of human kingdoms. He is tearing down the myths of men to reveal the unshakable realities that are eternal. We are seeing the great expose of humanity's impotence, of the demise of the superficial social architecture around us in society. And the real message is humankind has been found out they don't have an answer. But too many of us, including Christians, have been building their lives on what won't last. You see, what's going on is we've assimilated our lives, we've integrated ourselves too far into this world system. We've lost our identity as children of God. We've lost our bearings, and we've got lost. Many of us are lost in it all. 1 John two seventeen says... The world is passing away. Do you know that? That this world is passing away and the lust of it, but he or she who does the will of God abides forever. Now, I've heard a lot of talk about the Great Reset, and I don't really know much about it. It might be true, but I can't tell you if it is or not. But whatever people think, God's great recovery is underway. Did you hear me? God's great recovery is underway. Things that can be shaken are being shaken. Why? That they might be removed. Things shaken means they're being removed. And shaking is not new. The prophets depicted it. Listen to some of the prophets. Isaiah 2, 19. They shall go into the holes of the rocks and into the caves of the earth from the terror of the Lord and the glory of his majesty when he arises to shake the earth mightily. 
Isaiah 13, 13, Therefore I will shake the heavens, and the earth will move out of her place in the wrath of the Lord of hosts and in the day of his fierce anger. Haggai 2, 22, I will overthrow the throne of kingdoms. I will destroy the strength of the Gentile kingdoms. I will overthrow the chariots and those who ride in them. The horses and their riders shall come down, every one by the sword of his brother. What a shaking. Shaking is nothing new. The prophets predicted it. Jesus spoke of shaking. In Matthew 24 and verse 35, Jesus said, Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will by no means pass away. And the Lord actually predicted earthquakes, but he also predicted heavenquakes. But you know, shaking is nothing new when we look at history. Since World War II, I think we've actually lived a period of unusual peace and tranquility. What I mean is, the world at large, at least in the West, has been without serious cataclysmic events. But I want to suggest to you tonight that that was not normal. You understand? What we have known as our normal from World War II has not been normal in the grand scheme of human history. And we are shocked now because of what's going on with this world pandemic and this universal shaking. But you know what's actually happening? We're actually grieving the good life that we had and we thought we're always going to have. But it wasn't normal. So forget about all the talk of when the normal comes back. The normal's not coming back because it wasn't even normal in the first place. In fact, most civilizations throughout history wouldn't have been shocked by this pandemic. Do you know there's been around 20 epidemics, stroke pandemics on record with at least 1 million deaths since the bubonic plague in the 14th century? 20 pandemics. That's not to mention other diseases and other cataclysmic events. So this is nothing new. And it appears why Scripture is clear that there is a final shaking before Jesus returns to the earth. These kind of events have been frequently repeated incidents of shaking right throughout all of human history. It's nothing new. I'll tell you what it is if nothing else. It is a display of the graciousness and the goodness of God. And you might say, how on earth can anybody interpret a pandemic and millions of people dying as being a display of the graciousness and goodness of God? And I'm not saying he is doing that. That's not what I'm saying. But what I am saying is, he is certainly in this moment shaking in order that he might remind us like a divine alarm clock of the transient state of life. He is telling us with his megaphone that this life is not all there is. Do you hear it? This is not all that is real. Now, I am not saying that God is causing this disease. I am not saying that he's causing the pain or he's causing the suffering or the death. But what I am saying is this. God is continually working his purposes out through it all. God is sovereign. God is God. 
and he is not the instigator of everything. I don't believe that. I hear people say God's in control of everything, and sometimes that's interpreted as meaning he's micromanaging everything. I don't believe that for a second. But I do believe God is in charge. And be not mistaken, this shaking is God's voice. It says, alarm clock is warning. And the charismatics can run around saying, well, can we not rebuke this in the name of Jesus all alike? But it's not going to work. And it hasn't worked. I even heard people say at the beginning of this whole thing, if the church was where she should be, they would be able to stand up and deal with COVID-19. Anybody hear that? It's rubbish. God is in charge. And God will work his purposes out, even in what the enemy means for evil. God will work for his good and the coming of his kingdom. And these New Testament believers in the book of Hebrews, they were shaken as Jews who believed in Jesus, and they began to be displaced. They had to leave their homes. They were dispersed across the known world. They were God's children, but this kind of stuff happened to them. But you know what Paul said in Philippians 1.12 in a similar situation? He was locked up in jail. He says, I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what happened to me has actually served to advance the gospel. We don't like that talk. <laughs> I want all my problems to disappear. <laughs> I want my chains to be broken. Yeah. We want, we're breakthrough people. We want breakthrough, which really sometimes is code for, I want to just have a happy life and nothing go wrong. And I want to put Jesus' name all over the, the top of it. Sorry, that's not the deal. But let's just think for a moment of the shaking that's happened. Think for the sh- of the shaking that you've experienced in your own personal life that has removed the supposed normality out of our lives and asked the question, why has God allowed this? I'm not saying God instigated it or authored it, but why in his sovereign will has he allowed it? And what's he doing through it? I'll tell you what he's doing. These things are being shaken so that they might be removed. So that the things that are unshaken can remain. What is the thing that is unshaken that remains? He tells us God's kingdom. God's kingdom. Listen to some scriptures that talk about God's kingdom. Isaiah 9, 7, Of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. Upon the throne of David and over his kingdom, to order and establish it with judgment and justice from that time forward and even forevermore. Daniel 2.44, And in the days of these kings, the God of heaven will set up a kingdom which shall never be destroyed, and the kingdom shall not be left to other people. It shall break in pieces and consume all these kingdoms, and it shall stand forever. Then to him was given dominion and glory and a kingdom that all people's nations, languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion which shall not pass away and his kingdom the one which shall not be destroyed. 
Daniel 7, 27, Then the kingdom and dominion and the greatness of the kingdoms under the whole heaven shall be given to the people, the saints of the Most High. His kingdom is an everlasting kingdom, and all dominions shall serve and obey Him. And in Luke 1, 33, it says of Jesus Christ our Lord, He will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of His kingdom there shall be no end. The kingdom of Jesus Christ shall remain. Everything else will be shaken and will disappear and be removed. But Christ's kingdom will remain. Now, this kingdom comes, first of all, in a spiritual sense before a material and and physical sense. So before Jesus comes again and reigns on the earth in his eternal kingdom, this kingdom is already coming in spirit. It's here now. It's coming now. We are receiving it. Why, there is this great shaking over all the earth. We are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken. Jesus said in Luke 17, verse 20, Now when he was asked by the Pharisees when the kingdom of God would come, he answered them and said, listen to these words, the kingdom of God does not come with observation. The NIV says, not something that can be observed. Nor will they say, see here or see there, for indeed the kingdom of God is within you or the kingdom of God is in your midst. (laughs) God's kingdom is here. God's kingdom is coming, and it cannot be shaken. Jack Taylor, who did a lot of study on the kingdom of God, said these amazing words, Receiving the kingdom amid the shaking is the master secret in this whole issue of kingdom living. Receiving the kingdom amid the shaking is the master secret in this whole issue of kingdom living. You want to live like a kingdom person, a kingdom child of God, a son or a daughter of God, you want to live in the fullness of the Spirit in this present moment while the world is being shaken? Well, here's the secret to it all, receiving God's kingdom in the midst of it all. How do you do that? Well, let's look at these verses. Look at verse 28. Therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom which cannot be shaken, Let us have grace by which we may serve God acceptably. Have grace. Now, here's how we can best receive this kingdom, all right? This unshakable kingdom in the midst of everything that's being shaken in the kingdoms of men. First of all, gratitude. Have grace. But other translations translate it like this. Let us be thankful. Let us have gratitude. Gratitude. Now, let me ask you, what has been the influence of the Church of Jesus Christ during this season of pandemic? What would you say? Well, there's been a lot of charitable work going on. There's some positive things happening. There's no doubt about it. I don't want to be pessimistic. But largely, especially through social media, a lot of Christians have been scaremongering, catastrophizing. They have been the voice of doom and the super spreaders of fear. Romans chapter 14 and verse 17 says, The kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. That's what God's kingdom is. That's what the unshakable kingdom that we are meant to be receiving is. Joy, have you got joy? Peace and righteousness. That's what we are meant to be spreading around the globe. Now, don't misunderstand me. There's a lot of misinformation 
disinformation. There's a lot of confusion about and deception about. But I fear that we Christians have actually bit the bait of a lot of it and got sucked into the spirit of it all. Yes, we have to bring the truth. But can I tell you, the only thing that's going to free us from fear, anxiety, and despair is an eternal perspective about receiving God's kingdom in our lives right in the midst of this great shaking. Do you know, we as Christians are meant to be the non-anxious presence in the world. Do you know that? Romans chapter 8, it talks about a lot of groaning. There's the co-creation groaning. The earth is groaning. It talks about we as believers internally growing, groaning. Uh, uh, our bodies are groaning for the redemption of new bodies. We get sick, we get broken, we get tired. It talks about even the Holy Spirit is groaning within us for the redemption that is to come. The new heaven and the new earth, all things made new. But you know what it says in that passage in Romans 8? That actually all of this groaning is happening. The earth, our bodies, and the Holy Spirit is groaning that we as humanity should be brought into the freedom of the children of God. In all our words, that we as sons and daughters of God should be manifested and revealed as standing in an unshakable kingdom in the midst of everything that's shaking and groaning. Oh, I wonder what you're groaning about. <laughs> Jesus told the disciples he was going to the cross to bleed and to die he told them that they would suffer. He told them that they'd be scattered. He prophesied to them that brother would, would turn against brother and sister against sister and parent against child and child against parent. He told them of perilous times that would come. You know all that, don't you? Read Matthew chapter 24. And they experienced much of that right after the, the death and resurrection of the Lord Jesus. But in chapter 14, after having told them that they would all forsake him, they would all forsake him and flee, then he says to them, let not your heart be troubled. Don't worry about it. You believe in God, believe also in me. And then in verse 27 of chapter 14, he said, let not your heart be troubled. My peace I leave with you. My peace I give unto you. Not as the world gives, give I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be free. Now I'm asking, church, is that the message? Is that the message that we're conveying to the world? Gratitude. <laughs> are we getting distracted or are we frightened? And whilst others are frightened, and we can honestly confess that we have been frightened, and I've been frightened, we can be confident because we are the children of an eternal kingdom. You know something? I remember reading about a journalist who went and interviewed the underground church in China where, where they were persecuted for their faith and they had to hide and they would be in house churches and secret churches and God revived in a mighty way. You know, China's been the greatest revival in Christian history under the heel of communism. You see, the government doesn't stop what God's doing. You know that, don't you? The government can't stop this eternal kingdom that we're receiving. 
But you know what he was remarking about as he wrote about these Chinese Christians? If you went into a persecuted church, what would you likely expect to find among them? He says, I found the most joyous people on the face of the earth. Why? Because they were receiving the kingdom of God, and the kingdom of God is one-third joy, and then another third peace, and then another third righteousness. How do we receive this eternal kingdom in the midst of the shaking gratitude? Why not practice gratitude? Why not chant smile now and again? Why not praise the Lord? Why not put on music? Why not encourage people? Why not build them up? Instead of sending me all these rubbish videos about how we're all going to be obliterated and, and we're all going to be turned into robots and how all these things are going to happen. and Stop sending those. Send me something nice. Send me something that'll make me happy. That'll make me praise the Lord. It'll make me feel good that I'm a Christian, I'm alive and well, I'm born again and I'm spirit-filled and my name's written in heaven. Gratitude. Practice gratitude. I told you this before. Write three things down every night before you go to bed, things you're thankful for. Practice thankfulness. Praise is a weapon. That's how we're going to receive the kingdom in the midst of all this. But a second thing, if you like your G's, is Gravity. Gratitude and then gravity. Look at verse 28. Since we are receiving a kingdom which cannot be shaken, let us have grace or gratitude by which we may serve God acceptably with reverence and godly fear. Another translation puts that. Worship God acceptably with reverence and awe. Gravity. The weariness of knowing whose kingdom we are in and who we are serving. You know, we need to return to awe and astonishment again. We've lost the wonder of our God. Now, don't misunderstand me. I thank God for the great revival that there's been in intimacy with God and the teaching of the Father, heart of God. And you know I teach that quite a bit. It's wonderful that God is our Abba Father, that he is our Papa God, that we are his adopted children. It's so beautiful. But let's remember as well, he's our Father who art in heaven. Hallowed be your name. He's, he's my daddy but he's the God of the universe. And that's awesome. We need a revival of the awe and the fear of the Lord. And you know what else that does? That increases humility. Because when I realize how big my God is, my Father is, then I realize how small I am. And you know something? You see when there's a shaking on the earth, both the righteous and the wicked are shaken. You know that? Jesus said that in the Sermon on the Mount, that the, the sun shines on the righteous and the unrighteous, and the rain falls on the righteous and the unrighteous. So when there's a shaking in this planet, we all get shook. Oh, forgive me. I need to watch what I say. But what dummy ever came up with the idea that a Christian couldn't get COVID? Huh? The rain falls on the righteous and the unrighteous. You understand? The sun shines on the righteous and the unrighteous. And in this world, as it's shaking, we all get shaken. But the good thing is, if you're receiving the kingdom that cannot be shaken, you should be shaken towards God. I hope that's happening. And maybe God's been working on your heart and you haven't been a believer, but you feel that shaking towards God too because he's after you. 
But here's a third thing. Okay, so there's gratitude. That's going to help you receive this kingdom that can't be shaken. There's gravity, the fear of the Lord. Worshiping God in the fear and reverence. And then thirdly, there's the glory and goodness of God. Look at verse 29. For our God is a consuming fire. Now, that's a quote from Deuteronomy 4, verse 24. Deuteronomy 4, 24 reads like this. For the Lord your God is a consuming fire, but it goes on to say, a jealous God. This fire isn't just about God being frightful. That's not the idea here entirely. It's a fiery jealousy. A jealousy of love. That word jealousy, I believe in the Hebrew, if my memory serves me right, is actual word for red. It means a fiery, passionate, all-consuming jealousy. The jealousy of a husband over a wife. You understand? And there's a verse in James 4 and verse 5 says that God yearns, His Holy Spirit yearns after our spirits jealously with a fire of passion and devotion and desire. And that's our God. During the wilderness wanderings of Egypt, and even when Israel are out of Egypt in the wilderness, even when Israel came out of Egypt and they went to go across the Red Sea, do you remember the Bible says that the pillar of fire, the pillar of fire that led them by night and was a pillar of smoke in the daytime, but as they went through the Red Sea, it was a pillar of fire. The angel of the Lord was in it, and it says that it became a wall of fire. And, and what it did, it protected the Israelites it kept them warm as they walked through the sea. It kept them warm as they walked through the wilderness. It became a canopy over them of heat, like a greenhouse. But it also was a wall of fire to keep their enemies from them. It separated them from the chariots of Egypt. Our God is a consuming fire. While God is love and light, He is also fire. And you know, His fire can reduce to ashes but it also provides light in the darkness. It also brings warmth to us in the cold. In other words, our God is a consuming fire and he can meet all our needs, whatever our needs might be. Do you know this God? I'll tell you, Christian, you know what Jesus said? He said our God is a consuming fire, but he said you are the light of the world. Is that what we are being at the moment in this crisis? Light? Are we being warmth? Are we reflecting God? This is His glory and His goodness. I want you to understand this. This is what will help you receive this eternal kingdom that cannot be shaken. Gratitude. Gravity of who God really is in the fear of the Lord. But the glory and the goodness of God, He's a consuming fire. Do you remember Moses? His great prayer in Exodus 33 was this. Oh, that I might see your glory. Remember that? Oh, that I might see your glory. And God said, come up the mountain and I'm going to hide you in the cleft of the rock and I'm going to put my hand over you and then I'm going to take it away and I'm going to let all my goodness pass before you. He said, you'll not be able to look on me because no one can look on me and live. That's, that's our God who's a consuming fire. It's not that he's wanting to exterminate everybody. But he is so good. He is so pure. He is so eternal and so awesome. And we are so mortal and so finite and so sinful that if we came into his immediate presence without his covering, 
we would just be puffed out. You understand? But I want you to see this. Moses asked God, I want to see your glory. And God said, I'm going to cause my goodness to pass before you because the goodness of God is his glory. And it is our greatest celebration, the goodness of God, isn't it? But it's also our greatest problem. Because we are not good. As Jesus said, there is none good but God. We are sinners. And so our God is a consuming fire. When we are his child, we don't need to be afraid of him, but he's still an awesome God. Listen to this. Psalm 50 and verse 3. Our God shall come and shall not keep silent. A fire shall devour before him, and it shall be very tempestuous all around him. Psalm 97 verse 3. A fire goes before him and burns up his enemies round about. Isaiah 66 15. For behold, the Lord will come with fire and with his chariots like a whirlwind to render his anger with fury and his rebuke with flames of fire. Daniel 7 verse 9, I watched till thrones were put in place and the ancient of days, that's Jesus, was seated. His garment was white as snow and the hair of his head was like pure wool. His throne was a fiery flame, its wheels a burning fire. 2 Thessalonians 1 8 says that Jesus will come again in flaming fire, taking vengeance on those who do not know God and on those who do not obey the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. This is the Bible. If you're an unbeliever tonight, you have to come to God in his terms. He's God. He's God. And everything outside of Jesus Christ will ultimately be shaken. And all that will remain are those who are in Christ. And Jesus taught, you maybe heard it at Sunday school, the story about the wise and the foolish builder. And the wise man built his house on the rock and the foolish man built his house on the sand. And when the storm came, the house on the sand collapsed and only the house on the rock stood firm. And listen, if you don't build your life on Jesus Christ, all these storms are going to wreck your life. And when the storm of judgment comes and Jesus returns, if you're not found in Christ... I'm sorry, but you'll not remain because you're not in the kingdom that remains. On Christ, the solid rock, we stand all other ground as sinking sand. But believer, you need to know tonight that no government, no prime minister, no monarch, no president, no power in this world, no power in hell can shake the kingdom we're in. Jesus is our king, and we need not fear. So would you stop fearing? Would you stop fearing? And would you stop cooperating with the agenda of fear? And would you, for God's sake, stop spreading fear? And start receiving this kingdom. Jesus said in Luke chapter 12, verse 32. Listen to this verse. Fear not, little flock. We little flock. 
small wee band of believers, 12 of them. And then there was a 70, 72. There wasn't many of them. And he's leaving them, going to die and rise again and leave them. And the Holy Spirit will come and all the rest. But it's them against the world. It's them against the empire. And you don't see them writing pamphlets about the emperor, do you? Or what's going on in Roman politics? Jesus says, fear not, little flock, for it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. What are you scared about? The kingdoms of this world are being shaken, but you're able to receive a kingdom that cannot be. Let's pray. Now let's take a moment or two. Let's take a moment or two. There is a great shaking. We're not underestimating what's going on. Whether you're Christian or not, I'm asking you, have you built your life on a shoddy foundation? And because of the great earthquake that's going on at the moment through society, your life has been completely shaken because you've built on the things of this world that are, that are transient, that are passing, that are crumbling before our eyes. Well, you need to get your footing onto the rock that is Jesus Christ, the one who died for us and rose again. So if you're not a Christian, why don't you step onto the rock, Jesus, tonight and say, Lord Jesus, Lord Jesus, I want to be safe in you. I want to be secure in you for time and for eternity. That doesn't mean everything's going to go your way, friend. That doesn't mean you're never going to get sick. It doesn't mean you're never going to have problems in your life. Jesus never said that. He said, in the world you will have trouble. But be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. You see, he wants us to be overcomers by receiving this eternal, unshakable kingdom. So, is there anybody here tonight? I don't know who's here. Well, you're believers or not. Most of you are Christians, probably. But is there anybody, and you want to take that step of faith tonight and say, Jesus, I want you to be my Savior. I want you to be my Lord. I want to come to you right now. For salvation. I confess my sins to you. I turn from them and I turn to you for, for salvation. And you realize that there's stuff going on in the world. Is Jesus coming back soon? I believe he is. I don't know if this is all leading it right up to it immediately. I, I'm not sure. I don't know. And neither do you. But I know he's sooner than he's ever been. He's nearer than he's ever been. And you need to be ready. And apart from that, none of us knows when is the moment that we will be taken from time into eternity? You don't know, I don't know. So, will you take that step tonight? And if where you are, you want, you want just now to pray this prayer, will you pray with me, Lord Jesus? Just pray with me. Between you and the Lord, quietly, Lord Jesus, I ask you that you will be my Savior. Take away my sin. Make me fit for heaven and Lord, make me your child. Take away my fear and let me be secure on you, the rock. But if you're a Christian and you realize that you've built on shoddy foundations, but you want, to, you want to receive this kingdom, well, why not thank him that you've got it? Show the gratitude and say, thank you, Lord. I've, I, I, I've been resting on the wrong foundation. I've been in the wrong kingdom. Lord, let me live in your kingdom. Let me receive your kingdom and thank him for it. Thank him that you're a child of God. 
Thank him that you're a, a, a person upon whom the ends of the earth has come. We're the best generation to be alive if Jesus is round the corner. Isn't it wonderful? Huh? Rest in his goodness and his glory and cease cooperating with fear. Lord, I just pray for every person gathered here tonight. And I'm not saying I've been immune to fear. I haven't. But Lord, I know that you have not given me a spirit of fear, but power, love, and a sound mind. And I don't want to receive anything that's not from you. For your kingdom is not a place of ungodly fear. It's a place of confidence in you. And so, Lord, I pray that people all over this auditorium tonight would know what it is now to receive the kingdom of God into their hearts. Why don't you pray this prayer with me? And make this your response now tonight. And make this your response throughout whatever is left of this pandemic. And I'm not being prophetic. Well, I don't think I am. But it's not over, folks. And it's not going over anytime soon. Why not make this your response? Father, right now, say it from your heart to God. Father, right now, not really knowing what all this means. Say it in your heart. Father, right now, not really knowing what all this means, I say in humility, I receive your kingdom in all that is happening. I receive your kingdom in all that is happening. Father, May this word and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O oh God. And may it make a difference to people in this gathering tonight. And may it make a difference to other people that we encounter in our lives, in our families, in the workplaces, on the factory floor, in the school, in the university, and in the church. For your glory, Lord Jesus. Amen.